Hello, Bulls fans, and welcome into the CHGO Bulls podcast with me, Mark Kay, and my friend, my good friend, William. I was going to say your, your middle name, but I actually don't know what it is. It's Will underscore Gottlieb. That's his middle name. Underscore. <laughs> Here we are. William Will William is on the road. Um, yeah, well, we might need to put that. We might need to put that in there. But uh, William, William is on on the road. He's on holidays, but because he knows that people just love these HQ editions of CHGO balls, that they just can't do without it. He wanted to bring his uh, his uh, what's the name? His microphone. I wanted to ensure that the people got an episode of CHGO balls today. So what a what a great guy William is. As is our producer. Joseph Spathis on the ones and twos, doing the thing as he usually does. What a riveting episode of CHGO Balls we have in store for everyone today, William. What are we talking about? Um, I just noticed that my little tagline still says Slop Leap, so I think we're uh, <laughs> a week late on that. But uh, look, I mean, we've had a week here to digest the lack of slop, the lack of moves from Bulls front office. And obviously, I think just in the immediate aftermath, we're all just kind of dumbfounded and trying to figure out why, how this is happening. But I think with sort of a week to digest, I thought it'd be a, a kind of a good exercise and um, an important thing to try to wrap our minds around why we think AK is kind of feeling this way and um, whether we feel like, you know, if, if we can really come at this from his perspective, then maybe we'll have a little bit more um, grounds to criticize the ability to build through the middle. And I think so basically we want to talk about building through the middle. Is that a real feasible thing? And sort of what is the opportunity cost? I I think just kind of a a fun little exercise here. Not many people are doing that. It's more just kind of screaming and pitchforks and torches. Yeah. No, I'm glad we're doing this conversation because I'm I'm tired of, you know, talking about the same old thing, complaining about the same old thing. There's only so many different ways you can, say the same old different thing and I get it and it obviously is pertinent and will remain a topic for the remainder of this season going into off season potentially even longer depending on what AK does or doesn't want to do um but yeah th- th- there are other things to talk about is the point so I definitely want to get into that but before we do you you still at the slop lead there on your uh what's your name on your handle here on YouTube, if people are following in, if you're not, jump on on the uh, on the CHGO Sports YouTube, and you will see what we're talking about. But there are some some quick hitters, some newses that we need to get to first, and then we'll we do dive have some into swap. the more broader. We do have some swap. We've got we've got some swap for all the casuals out there. But um, thank you, Joe. Let's for go, let's go into first. My accurate. That's much more accurate. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But um, the, we, we got some slop edge. So, so, so Mike, o, Mike Scotto Sloppo, if we want to call it that, um, around Andre Drummond and some more news in relation to what did or didn't happen at the trade deadline. A deadline. Dreadline, I said. <laughs> I guess there was a dreadline in some respects. But in terms of what didn't materialize at the uh, trade deadline in relation to Andre Drummond, the Bulls and the 76ers, apparently per Mike Scotto, the Bulls and Sixers were talking a trade for Andre Drummond to head to Philadelphia. The Bulls wanted three second-round picks. The Sixers thought they had a deal in place. The Bulls then didn't do the deal, seemingly, as we all have come to learn, given the fact that Andre Drummond remains on the team. What did you make of this one, William? Did uh, Was there anything newsing, newsy about this? Did you learn anything new about it? Um, I certainly have my thoughts about it, but uh, what do you make of it? So, I mean, 
the way that this reads, it's a little bit confusing. Basically, Scotto says that the 76ers believed that they had a deal done for Drummond and mm-hmm. the Bulls wanted three second round picks and then the Bulls pulled out. So my read on that is that the Sixers were prepared to offer the three second round picks that they traded. They ultimately traded for Buddy Heald for Andre Drummond. And then in the final hours, the Bulls pulled out. And to me, again, this is speculation. We, we can't say for sure that this is how it happened. But to me, like if you're not, if you're saying like blow me away with an offer and then you get blown away and you still don't do it, you're just not serious about trading any, any of these guys. And obviously mm-hmm. that was the case. They were not serious about trading any, any of these guys. We've heard um, big sort of blow away offers for Alex Crusoe that they ultimately declined. And I think as we talk more about sort of the plan and building through the middle, um, I think it's sort of a good opportunity to think about this through that lens. But to me, like, for, the, for a team in this position, you should be looking to accumulate assets, whether or not that comes at the cost of like your ceiling, your ultimate ceiling this year, because I don't really believe in the current ceiling of this team. So uh, I, I would say that's pretty much on par with what I expected a trade to net for Andre Drummond. Um, and clearly those types of offers were on the table. I probably would have done a two second round pick trade for Drummond just because you're probably going to lose him anyway. And so to me, you know, you either really believe in what you've got going on this year, or you really believe in your ability to re-sign him longer term. Because otherwise, I think that's a real missed opportunity. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, and it's funny, like, we saw the Sixers trade three second rounders for Buddy Heald. So I guess the timing of this is also interesting. Like, was this deal in place pre-Buddy Heald, post-Buddy Heald? Like, where does this whole thing fit into the landscape of it, but I, I guess I got stuck on the, the wording of this, this piece around uh, the Bulls asked for three second rounders, but Scott, I didn't really confirm if the Sixers had agreed to send out three second rounders. Maybe they had, maybe they hadn't, but it wasn't really clear from the way the piece was written. Um, so I don't really know if we learned anything new about this because we all kind of knew that uh, Drummond to the Sixers was a real possibility, that if it was going to happen, it was going to be for a first, it was going to be for several seconds. Um, but yeah, I, I, assuming that this, this was on the table and that they turned down three second round picks, which again is just an assumption because like I said, that Scotto piece doesn't really confirm it one way or another. Then I do kind of think it is ridiculous that we're still talking about Andre Drummond in a Bulls jersey because of what you said, that fact that he is a free agent. You and I have both talks about the, uh, the impending doom that is coming from a cap situation. So it, it would beg to suggest that. Uh, Andre Drummond won't be in Chicago next year. Maybe he will. Maybe if he signs a vet min. But beyond that, if he wants more money, I doubt he will. So I, I, I don't know what to make of it. It's a bit of slop, but yeah, I don't know if we necessarily learnt anything new. And again, like another thing Scott I mentioned in there, that was teams like the Lakers, the Suns, and the Rockets were also expressing interest in Andre Drummond. I think the Celtics had some interest before they traded for Xavier Tillman as well. So he was clearly someone that was available or teams were chasing, but... For whatever reason, the Bulls, uh, and maybe this connects to the topic we'll touch on later on about building through the middle, uh, they wanted to keep Andre Drummond around, which was interesting. Um, Any more thoughts on Drummond before we move on? Yeah, just one more thing, because as we kind of tie this back into the building through the middle thing, I mean, if you look at like, what's the opportunity cost there? This team, I don't know, maybe we should just say this, but I just feel like this team kind of has done well to draft second round picks. They've gotten Io in the second round. They've gotten Julian Phillips in the second round. Um, they've had some misses too with Marco Simonovic and they've had misses in the first round. It's not like it's a guarantee, but mm. when you are an older team who is built through 
you know, DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic. And you've got Zach Levine's contract in the books. You don't really know if you're going to be able to get off of that. You've got Lonzo Ball's money on the books next year. Maybe you can get off of that. But like these second round picks, I think are a lot more valuable because of the new uh, contracts that you're allowed to sign second round picks to. So Julian Phillips right now is making basically half of the veterans minimum for like a 10 year pro. Yeah. Um, those those are really team friendly contracts that you can use to build up your roster. And then obviously if they can contribute, great. But um, I just think, and maybe you don't even use them, but you flip them into something else. Um, obviously those picks can be traded for role players. We saw Buddy Heald. We saw what the offers were for Drummond. So I think the opportunity cost of not going that way is, it tells me that they have a lot of confidence in the current group, which obviously we already know. But I think it also kind of tells me that they just weren't really serious about making any moves. And I think that's kind of the, the head scratcher is like, if you're not willing to trade three, a backup center for three second round picks, I just don't know uh, at what point are you going to really start to think about asset accumulation? Um, even if you are trying to build through the middle, you still need to use those kind of assets to build. Uh, and I think yeah. that's kind of my biggest disconnect from where this team is going right now. Yeah, well, I mean, using the Julian Phillips example as, as well, like he was a second round pick, but they sold off multiple seconds to buy a pick in the 2023 draft, which turned into Julian Phillips. So whether you're using those picks to make a pick in the second round, whether you're using the picks like you noted to, to go out there and get role players like Andre Drummond, or whether you're using the second round picks to, you know, buy into the second round or buy into other parts of the draft, like they are a valuable asset. So this idea that they're they're meaningless and not worth anything. Uh, I think he's wrong. The, the league is telling us that they are worth something. Um, but look, it is what it is. Let's 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 pivot to Gallinari. I know Dave and Matt touched on this yesterday. We didn't necessarily get your thoughts on it. I, I don't believe you were on the show yesterday from what I heard. Um, so yeah, keen to get your thoughts on the Bulls' competitive race to land Danilo Gallinari. Didn't get it over the line as such. Um, they weren't ninth, but they were maybe like fourth or fifth in the Gallinari race. Uh, any thoughts, William, about uh, the Bulls going after Gallinari for a second time, but for a second time coming up short? Well, I think it just goes to show that like, even though the Bulls are expected to be active on the buyout market, that doesn't ne necessarily mean that they're going to be getting somebody who can contribute. They've already missed out on Thaddeus Young. They've missed out on Gallinari. They missed out on Dion Wright, who just got bought out today and signed with Miami. Um, just because they have that roster spot open and just because they have the ability to absorb a prorated vet min, uh, or maybe a little bit more depending on how Kobe's incentives shake out. And we can talk about that if you want. Um, it just shows you that like these guys are not necessarily just going to choose you because you have that space. You, you still have to compete with other teams for what to offer. And so I think I can't remember if it was Shams or Woj last night who said that the Bulls were in the running. Uh, Mike Scotto confirmed that saying, um, the Bulls were, uh, before agreeing to the deal with the Bucks, Gallinari drew interest from several teams, including the Clippers, Suns, Cavs, and Bulls. League sources told Hoopsite. Once Thaddeus Young agreed to join the Suns, Phoenix was out of the equation for Gallinari. Cleveland could not guarantee a role Gallinari sought while the Bulls aren't actually a contender. Um, so obviously, you, you have to be able to offer something to these guys. They're not just like going to choose you to sit on the yeah. bench. They're not going to choose you because you have more money to give than other teams. Cause that's not really how this works either. So um, just because they have the ability to sign somebody off the buyout market does not necessarily mean that they're going to get someone who can really contribute. Not that buyout market guys really contribute anyway. Well, I think they can depending on who they are and not to suggest that Gallo would have been like, coming in here, you know, franchise changing yeah. sort of, no, 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 of acquisitions. 
but you know, I, I, I consumed all the Pat Bev pills last season, so I think there is scope for it to to impact a team. But then you, you can also point to the Tristan Thompson example as well. So um, it's not always the you know a savior as such. But to your point, like if the Bulls are only going to offer a pro-routed vet min because of the tax concerns or maybe, you know, having to allow a little bit of buffer as well for these Kobe incentives, assuming one or two or three or five of them hit, whatever whatever, whatever it may be, then if, if all you can do is offer that vet min, then why would any why would any of these guys sign with the Bulls who are in ninth in the East compared to signing like like this, the uh, the Suns, which Thad Young did? Why would you... Why would, Gallinari choose the Bulls over the Bucks or the Clippers. Like that were the final two teams that he had in his, uh, I guess, or he was, you know, deciding over the, the the Bucks or Clippers. Why would he choose the Bulls in that scenario if the money is the same? Like the, the Bulls have exceptions to uh, outbid some of these teams if they really wanted to, but they can't really do that because of the tax constraints and the fact that they're they're acting like the tax line is a hard cap of sorts. Therefore, these guys aren't going to get any. So I guess where my mind went, William, straight after this was like, are the Bulls going to get any any of these bloody buyout guys? Probably not at this point. Like again, maybe maybe they'll get one, uh, you know, maybe a Joe Harris or someone like that assuming Joe Harris doesn't have any better offers out there, but if there is a like for like situation where some of these buyout guys have a deal on the table from a a real contender versus a team like the Bulls who are in ninth and the the money is the same, like the Bulls just can't compete in that market space. So I'm not even sure if they're going to actually fill out the roster anymore and add to the roster, which just means more minutes for Vooch and Damar and Kobe. And these guys are already burnt out. So like that's problematic from this whole competitive thing as well. Like you, you didn't do anything to add to the roster at the deadline, but because of the tax constraints as well, then are we saying that you're not even going to really get in the race here with any of these buyout guides and add another rip rotational piece? So yeah, it is what it is, I guess, but disappointing nonetheless. Uh uh, in terms of, you know, let, 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 let's pretend. Let's go into this hypothetical world where they maybe had have traded Andre Drummond for second round picks and maybe had they traded Alex Caruso for a number of picks, whether they were first, seconds, whatever it may have been. Does that really dramatically change the floor of this team, William? Does it change the scope of this season to you at least? I mean, the Bulls are pretty much locked into a nine or ten. It feels like right now, based on where the variables sit today. But does that does that dramatically change? Had the Bulls been somewhat aggressive here and made some moves on the periphery, selling off Drummond and Caruso? I think that's really the question that this whole thing comes down to. Is that clearly yeah. they felt like they and so I, I kind of want to frame this in two ways. One is like, does the floor of the team change? And to me, mm-hmm. without Caruso, without Drummond, obviously I think you get a little bit worse. But I don't think you're like fate is really changed all that dramatically because the teams behind you are just not serious teams and there's too much space obviously in front of you to really leapfrog anyone anyway so i feel like it would have been kind of the perfect opportunity to continue to be competitive while also accumulating assets i think that's why this kind of made such little sense to me i understand that from their perspective they probably feel like with caruso with drummond maybe you can make some noise in the plan maybe you can make some noise in the first round of the playoffs Whereas without them, I don't think that's necessarily the case. So I think that the ceiling changes, but I'm not really sure they're really doing much to compete. I I think they could win out uh, of the play-in and get into the playoffs. I think a lot would have to go right for that to happen. Just statistically and probabilistically, it's tough to win two games in single elimination. Um, But then like you're facing the Boston Celtics in the first round. Like, are, are you 
does not having Caruso, not having Drummond really change the outcome of that series? Probably not. Um, so I, I felt like that could have been a good opportunity. Um, but to me, that's, that's kind of the biggest disconnect there is that there's sort of this um, unspoken unwillingness to, uh, or, or not unwillingness, but just like disinterest in the idea of assets as something that's valuable. And I think this whole idea of competition and being in the middle does not do much for me. I think most people in the basketball universe feel like this is not a great place to be, but Arturus feels like it is a good place to be and that he can build through it to me. And we can spend more time on this, but like, to me, the big issue there is like, if you're going to be in the middle, you got to keep building. And by not doing stuff for three straight deadlines, you're not building. Yeah. So this is where I differ a little bit in the sense, not, not on the, the, the team building aspect, but in terms of can the ball or could the balls have still been a playing team Sands, Drummond and Caruso. I don't think they could have been because I think Billy only really trusts probably seven and a half players right now. You, you can sort of quibble as to whether he really trusts Javon or, or Dalen or even Julian. I, I don't think he really does beyond like a 10 minute stretch here or there. So if you take out Drummond and Caruso, you're having to really lean on those guys to to fill those gaps and none of them can fill the gap that Drummond leads because the, neither of or those three players aren't centers. Maybe... Maybe you could get some scope to fill maybe 50 to 60% of Caruso's role in a combination of Javon, Dalen, and Julian, plus with more IO minutes and those sorts of things. But I do think, even though you know that the Hawks and the Nets aren't great teams by any stretch, there's only like a two-game separation between the Bulls and Hawks in the lost column for 10th currently. There's, four, there's a four-game delta between the Bulls and the Nets in the lost column as well. So I do think if you traded Drum- Drummond and Caruso, the Bulls had a real chance here maybe to slide to to 11th. I don't think they could catch the Raptors down at 12th. Although I don't think the Raptors could catch the, the Bulls if you want to flip it the other way. Um, but I do think there was a chance for the Bulls to, sl- uh, to slide out of the plane. And if the goal was to remain competitive, to get into the playoffs and you know see if you can do a thing where maybe you can take the Celtics to a six or seven game series, you, can't, you can only do that with Drummond and Caruso. You can't do that without them. And I don't think you can even maybe even advance out of the plane. And hell, like I just said, I don't even know if you remain in the plane without them just because of the depth issues on this team. So I'm not suggesting that the Bulls should have kept Drummond and Caruso for a plane race, but I'm saying I don't think there's a guarantee that they remain in the plane, plane race with that, without those guys. So if the goal is to remain competitive and, and to try to get into the postseason via the plan, then I think you can only do that with Caruso and Drummond on the team, which is why they seemingly were so wedded to these guys because, yeah, I, I, they can't achieve what they want to do without him. At least that's my view. I don't think they would stay in 9 or 10th necessarily. Yeah, that's possible, but they're also going to be getting talent back in if you trade Caruso. Like, yeah. you're probably getting a Moses Moody and... Uh, you know, a Gary Payton or a backup center. And some. So it's like, it's not like you just, your rotation goes down to six people um, for the rest of the season. It just requires you to keep doing stuff. And I think that's kind of sure. the problem is that, that when you, when you think about this team, like making a sell move, it's not just like subtract these players. It's you bring in younger guys that can also probably help you. And to me, I, I know we kind of talked about this maybe a little bit more offline, but I would much rather see this team fail with like led by Kobe and Io, then succeed led by Demar at this point. Um, and that, maybe that sounds a little bit backwards, but like the, the example of that Cavs game, and, and we'll, we'll talk more about this in maybe the second or third segment here, but like the idea that they lost like a close game, but Kobe got really meaningful reps 
every single time down the court in the final 90 seconds. Like mm-hmm. that matters more to me than winning that game or, you know, maybe DeMar gets that final shot and they win it. Um, I don't know. I just think that should have been the priority and, and you can still be competitive while doing that. Yeah, look, I, I don't think many people would argue with that. Even me, a DeMar guy, I'm not necessarily too, uh, I'm not pushing back on, on that more generally. So I think that's a fair a fair concept and certainly agree. And I think it was also a fair counter in the, in the sense that if you do trade Drummond or Caruso, maybe you get the players back and, and those sorts of things. So yeah, fair. Fair. We'll never know, obviously. What is happening is what will be. And uh, there's still 20-odd games to really figure out what, what the hell this team will be doing over the next couple of months. But uh, we're going to come back and talk more about this beloved Bulls team. But before we do, uh, William, I want to tell you, I want you to tell everyone about our beloved Ray. You want to know about Ray? Because if you are in the market for a new vehicle, we have some great news because our partner, Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram in Fox Lake is celebrating President's Day sales all month long. You know what that means? You will be able to shop presidential savings on their wide selection of inventory for a limited time, get 20% off MSRP on all remaining 2023 Jeep Gladiator models with the dealer discount. They're number one for new vehicle quality among mid-sized trucks as JD Power. And that's not all. Shop their last call on select Dodge Challenger and Charger models. Dodge is the most powerful muscle car brand, so you don't want to miss out on their last call with over 20 Dodge muscle cars to choose from. At Ray CDJR, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories and drive home with more money in your pocket than you'd expect, thanks to the Ray price promise. Don't miss out. Shop great deals all month long and save big because Ray CDJR makes buying a new vehicle more affordable than ever. And that's not all part two. Just for listening, you can get a free oil change when you mention CHGO at the service center or mention CHGO when you book online at RayCDJR slash service but you have to schedule before February 29th. This week, we got the ad right. February 29th, book uh, on Ray CDJR slash service with promo code CHGO. So if you're in the market for a new vehicle, then you have to check out our pals at Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram because they're the only ones we recommend. Visit them today on Route 12 in Fox Lake. For more information, visit Ray CDJR in Fox Lake or RayCDJR.com, serving the community since 1963. Thank you, William. And all that money that you save when purchasing a car through our mate, Ray, then uh, you can put it towards our mate, Charlie the Bacon Guy, who is based out of Woodridge, Illinois. He makes the best craft bacon and bacon jams uh, going around. He's got over 35 different flavors. My God, this dude knows bacon. There's no, there's no one in the world that knows more, bacon, more about bacon than Charlie the Bacon Guy. That's why his last name is the Bacon Guy. Naturally cured, preservative, free products that's what charlie's getting for everyone here there aren't any ingredients that he can't pronounce himself that he puts into the process so unlike most store-bought bacon this is pure clean stuff friends so uh if you want to get your hands on some vacuum sealed uh, bacon that freezes perfectly throw it in the freezer this stuff will last up to 60 days in your freezer a week in the fridge uh, like i mentioned before 35 different flavors william i'm not sure what your favorite flavors are for me given that i've recently well not not so recently but uh have been a vegetarian for the last one and a half years i'm not necessarily going to be purchasing anything from charlie myself but having said that when my mates come over who want to have some bacon like you william what would you you know what type of flavor would you be interested in william you're on mute casual Tell me, what, tell me what they got, and I'll tell you what I want. Well, look, I mean, there's French toast. That one, that one sounds pretty damn enticing to me. Honey chipotle, Cajun, raspberry chipotle, 
maple pepper. Like I said before, if you want to throw some bacon jams on top as well, with its original bourbon flavor, the mango habanero jams. Oh, I mean, like I said before, this dude, he knows what he's doing. Is it making he knows you what reconsider your vegetarianism? Uh, not quite, but he, he's, he's tempting me. Charlie's tempting me. And you know what else is tempting me? The fact that I can save 10% on my order when I go to charliethebaconguy.com. When you use promo code CHGO at checkout. So if you want to pick up some um, some beautiful bacon, like I said, get to the website, charliethebaconguy.com. You can hit up the website there. Charlie's on Instagram, at charliethebaconguy. On Twitter, at CZ, the, CZ, not CZ, CZ, the bacon guy. Email charliethebaconguy at gmail.com, friends, for all those great bacon flavors. Like I said, over 35 different flavors. Preservative-free, 10% off when you use promo code C-H-G-O. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, AK, depending on your perspective, I guess. If you're into building from the middle, maybe you are thankful of AK. Do you think? What do you think the tourist kind of shows his approval ratings right now? Do you think it's as high as Ray and, uh, and, uh, and Charlie's? I got to say, my favorite part of being on that press conference was Darnell just coming in super hot. Just being <laughs> like, you know, AK, there are a lot of people that are not a fan of you right now. Um <laughs> That was that was something. Um, but I mean, not great. I think we can all agree on that right now. Like, he's right. I think even if you are going to build through the middle and let's kind of spend some time here talking about what exactly that means and how it can be done. And if it's even possible, you got to keep building if you're going to be building through the middle. That is a requirement of building. You have to build. Um, but there were a couple of quotes that maybe we can just touch on here from the press conference I thought were really telling. And I know we've kind of hit on them before, but just with respect to this idea of building through the middle and whether or not that's feasible, um, AK said that, quote, I'm selling a competitive group that is competing for competing right now for playoffs. And that just evidence of that, you know, you bring up the standings. I mean, we're all bunched up in the middle. So that's what I see with this team at this point. Any adjustments will be made in the future. But, you know, this group is really good. So to me, I mean, he's coming out and saying, like, he's competing in the middle. He's, he's stating very clearly where he is and he seems to be like, not just okay with that, but like happy about that. He said, this group is really good. Um, and so that's how he's going to keep doing it. He also said, quote, we could take a step back, which we don't want. We want to stay competitive. We have an obligation to this organization and this fan base and the city to stay competitive and compete for the playoffs. And that's what we're doing. Um, Mark, what does building through the middle mean to you? Building from the middle means the same thing as any other method of building, I suppose, in the sense that you need to absolutely nail what you're doing. For me, where it differs is you have less margin for error for those, um, for, you know, for whatever tools or methods you're employing because, all right, let, let, let's say you're at the bottom, you, you've got the first or second pick, maybe you make a bad pick. Okay, cool. It is what it is. If that team, it continues to remain bad, that player doesn't influence winning and your team is bad again, then guess what? you potentially could have another number one or two pick the year after. Hell, if you're the Los, Ange Los Angeles Lakers where you know cap space does matter for them potentially, where you have appeal, maybe you don't have to worry about the draft or you know your trading situation as much as you know small market teams, whatever it might be. But if you are operating from the middle, you need to absolutely nail what um, available assets you have. You can't have misses with draft picks. You can't overpay for free agents. You can't put in... Uh, any deal breakers in those deals whereby a, a player may may move from a, 
a, a half decent player in terms of value to now being undervalued because of their contract situation. You need to nail your trades at the trade deadline, like we talked about before. You need to sell high and and potentially buy low in scenarios and and get more reward from that point of view. So, the, I, I guess the impetus is the same regardless, William. The, the only thing, like I said before, the only thing that changes is you have to absolutely nail things. Now, the Bulls could this whole thing could flip uh, in a couple months' time if at the twenty twenty four draft the Bulls do have a pick in the twenty twenty four draft. If that pick, wherever it's situated. Let's just assume it's the 10th or 11th pick, something like that. If that pick was to materialize in the same way or hit in the same way that, you know, a Tyrese Halliburton pick hit for the, the Kings and has now hit for the Indiana Pacers, then that can quickly flip. Similarly with the Bulls and Kobe White right now. Now, this took a little bit longer, but if you can take someone you draft at the seventh pick and that seventh pick becomes a foundational piece, a foundational piece in the way that Kobe has, then that dramatically changes your fortunes as well. You can't have misses though. Like that's that's the imperative thing. So I think it's possible to build from the middle to do the thing from the middle, but you have to. You're walking a finer line, I guess, or you're threading a, a thinner needle from that point of view. So uh, if anything, it makes yeah. it more difficult. I don't know if I trust AK to operate within these difficult remits, um, but yeah, I don't think it's impossible. He's not wrong from that point of view, but I guess there should be no reason for fans to maybe trust that he he of all people can do it i think that the margin for error piece is a really important one so obviously like the biggest criticism that i had when the bulls underwent their rebuild after trading jimmy butler was that they acquired one additional second round pick or a first round pick in four years they traded nicola miritich for the pick that became chandler hutchison which i believe was 21st overall that was it when you look at some of these other teams that go to the bottom and he referenced you don't want to be one of these teams that like you look at all the bad cases of rebuilding. There are bad cases of rebuilding. It does not work all the time. Mm-hmm. It didn't work super great for the Bulls. Um, although mm-hmm. you could kind of argue that the players did actually turn out pretty well for the most part. Um, yeah. Even though <laughs> some of them weren't with the Bulls. Um, but you look at obviously like the Thunder are sort of the the poster child of asset management and asset collection. They get mm-hmm. Shea Gilgis-Alexander as the centerpiece of that trade. They get, um, you know, a bunch of different picks. They, I think they have 27 total picks over the next seven years, something like that. Um, they got a pick from the Clippers that turned into Jalen Williams. Uh, they obviously had the value of their own pick increase by trading away their good players, um, but they were still competitive for a year. And then they kind of realized they, this like Chris Paul, Billy Donovan, Shago Dan Alexander, Dennis Schroeder, setup was like not working and and so they did the real thing um and i think you really have to stick with it you have to be committed and that's kind of where the bulls fell short last time was they obviously didn't do a great job uh, immediately putting a roster together that could really set them up they did not do a good job putting coaches and and player development staff in place to help the draft picks that they did have develop they obviously did not get super lucky in the draft um they were seventh like every year instead of um you know, I think they had like the combined worst record in the NBA over that four-year period. So it takes some luck. It takes a lot of hitting. But when you don't get any additional picks, you're just giving yourself zero margin for error, where you have to hit on every single thing you do. Otherwise, it prolongs the whole thing. If you have three picks in every draft and you hit on one of them, you are doing all right. But if you have one pick in every draft and you don't hit on it, now you have to wait till the next draft in order to get another chance to hit. And every time it becomes magnified more and more that this guy has to hit um and so even when you look at like the the process sixers 
yeah, they drafted Nerlens Noel and Jaleel Okafor and Michael Carter-Williams, but it worked out because they, and Martel Fultz and Ben Simmons, I mean, they went through kind of a lot, but they also did hit on a transcendent super duper star player. And, you know, eventually maybe that happens, eventually not, but like the more chances you have in the draft, the more likely that outcome becomes. And the Bulls obviously did not do that with, in the post Jimmy Butler era. And they are certainly not doing it now either, where they're still uh, net negative in terms of draft picks. And obviously they have the Portland one coming in, but that's lottery protected. Whereas the pick they have going out is top 10 and then top eight, top eight. So, you know, all things considered, that is technically um, a net negative in terms of draft assets. So I think it's possible to build through the middle. We can talk about some of the other teams that have done it. Um, Zach Lowe recently wrote something for ESPN talking about teams building through the middle. And he mentioned the Jazz, he mentioned the Pacers, and he mentioned Toronto. And like those teams are building through the middle in the sense that they are not bottoming out. But the difference, and I think what makes it completely different, is the fact that there was no foundational change that happened for the Bulls, um, unlike with these teams. Obviously, they lost Fred Van Vliet. They just traded Siakam and OG Anobi, and now they are rebuilding around the players that they got back and Scotty Barnes, who they drafted. Uh, the the Pacers traded DeMontis Sabonis, who was a two-time All-Star when he got traded. And obviously, they kind of hit the lottery on Tyrese Halliburton. That is the exception, not the rule. Um, and the Jazz traded Gobert and Donovan Mitchell for like 600 first-round picks. The fact that they have not bottomed out does not mean that they have not done the things that a rebuilding team does. Uh, there was a quote recently uh, via Tony Jones uh, in The Athletic from Justin Zanuck. I'm going to see if I can find it real quick while I'm talking here. But basically he was saying like, look, this team is not focused on the play-in right now. They're focused on the long-term success of the team. He said, quote, all of us want to win, Zanuck said, per Tony Jones of The Athletic, pointing out that Utah has not won more than a single playoff series in a season since 2007. Quote, but I want to win for a long time. We don't just want to win for a year uh, we, where we had a good run. The goal is not the play-in or the first round of the playoffs. Those aren't the goals. The goal is winning a championship. And I think if you if you stay committed to being competitive, you're just never putting yourself in a situation where you have a surplus of assets, where you have a chance to really magnify the value of your own pick, where you have the ability to use cap space to bring in guys via free agency or to bring in guys via trade. The Bulls just have no avenues. And so I think in order to start giving themselves flexibility, and that's why we were talking about maybe it is time to just salary dump sack. You, you have no ability to really make any meaningful changes if you're not doing anything at all. Yeah, and look, I, I think Indiana and Utah are the best example of, of this. And it annoys me that we're comparing the Bulls to small markets like Indiana and Utah, um, given the gravity the Bulls potentially have on, on their hands as a, as a large market team or you know the scope that they have to be something a little bit more than what the Jazz or the Pacers could ever be. But those two franchises have been consistently competitive for a number of decades now and you reference certain trades they made but like the way the the paces were able to acquire sabonis and um was through the paul george trade and they nailed the paul trade a uh, paul george pick i think it was pick eight or whatever he was however many years ago but like because they nailed that paul george pick got you know very good years out of that paul george run they nailed the miles turner pick when it was time to end things with Paul George, they then turned that into Victor Oladipo and Sabonis. Both became all-stars from there. They then again pivoted from that point of view where they turned those guys into 
um, or turn Sabonis into Halliburton, as you mentioned before. So like they nailed the initial move, but then they continue to nail the moves thereafter. Same thing happened in Utah. You mentioned uh, Gobert and, and Mitchell, but like that came on the back of a previous era that was concluding. They didn't have the first or second pick or anything like that. I think Donovan Mitchell was the 13th pick. Rudy, Rudy Gobert was the 27th. So like what available assets they did have, they nailed. They got a good five to six year run out of those guys that they had in place. But then when it came again, time to pivot, they nailed on those follow on moves, which is the, the part that the Bulls are missing on right now. Like, I think it is possible to build a good, respectable, competitive team out of the middle. But like I said before, you just need to nail it. And I, it, it, I'm reluctant to use Indiana and Utah as the model, um, not because they haven't done good a, a good job, but I just think that's maybe selling yourself a little bit short from a Bulls perspective. But if that's what they want to do, like th- there is a way to do it. There is examples to do it. And I think Utah and Indiana have showed us what the best approach or the best way to do so is. But um, I guess the, the disappointing thing here is the goalpost moving, William. Because when AK was hired, he talked about the Bulls getting back to that championship level status, being one of those organizations that have won titles that we want to get back to that place. And I think that's part of the reason why People were so, uh, you know, just so over the moon when AK, you know, landed the job. Part of it was his reputation. Part of it was just moving on from Garpax, and obviously that needed to happen. But there was clearly this uh, this messaging from from the new uh, management team that they wanted to to get back to to something a little bit more than competitiveness, which is what Garpax were kind of doing previously. But now, as we know, as we keep saying, as we keep using the new C word. Uh, AK sort of adopted the same mantra that Garpax had and is, to be fair, maybe even executing it a little bit worse, which is stunning to even think that something like that is even possible. So to me, like that's the frustrating part, that we had hopes and desires of doing something more. The reason why I liked the Vucevic trade at the time was because it signaled something more. It was, it was, it was a big aggressive move that we hadn't seen We're in the building. previous 15 to 20 years. Yeah, We're like you were trying to do something substantial. It obviously has stunningly failed, but like the intent behind it, I enjoyed what it potentially signaled or what it meant. Since that time, everything has sort of fallen over because again, like we've talked about, AK hasn't necessarily nailed everything. The irony of this is what he has has nailed is, is the Kobe White contract, the Aya Desumu contract and those sorts of things, which gives us some hope going into the next 20 odd games, but also the years to come. But it still annoys me that the goalposts are shifting to hey, we want to be a championship-level team to, you know, it, it would be nice if we could make the playoffs. That, that's the feel, at least. Yeah, and obviously the play-in tournament and the inception of that has really changed things, but it wasn't just like, we want to be a championship team. It was, okay, we want to build towards championships, and then they start making moves. And then they they made the playoffs, and they said, we know we're going to make the playoffs this year. The goal is to improve on that. And they missed the playoffs, and they lose in the play-in tournament. And now it's, well, we were really close and look what happened to Miami. And we were almost, you know, we almost beat them. And so they come into this season saying, yeah, we're going to get back to the playoffs. And now it's like, obviously they want to make the playoffs. And he said that, but it was not like playoffs or bust. And I think this, he said at one point, I'm willing to take accountability for that, but they haven't because they've just changed the goal. They moved the goalpost and changed the expectations to match where the team is. And so you're not taking accountability. You're changing the rules. You're changing what you're saying about how your team is going to function. So to me, it's like, there's, there's no, 
there's no one holding themselves accountable there and nobody is holding them accountable externally, meaning ownership is not. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it, it just signals, I think uh, Alexander Fackless said uh, that they're, they're, the yeah. situation indicates they're gonna be mediocre and plan to stay the course uh, with the Acme regime long-term. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you're gonna do it that way, like fine, I think we can understand that that's the plan but I think it's fair to disagree with that and fair to try to hold the front office accountable for changing their, their whole perception of the team and trying to sell, like now they're gonna, you know, if the Bulls make the playoffs, they're gonna say, look what we accomplished. It's like, great, you made the playoffs, but that was the goal two years ago and it failed um, or last year and it failed. And like, you were supposed to get better. You're, you're back to square one. So I don't see how this is like this sort of just massive improvement and accomplishment here when you are just getting back to the start of what you were trying to build all along, except now, you know, Damar, who you're probably going to resign at a large number is much older and Vucci you've already resigned is much older. And so it's this continued um, just investment into a group that is clearly on the downtrend. Like we went from playoffs to play in and now we'll see what happens. Um, but they're continuing to commit to that. And I think those things just don't really match up when, even if the, the goal is not championship or, you know, the expectation is not championship, like you still, again, if you're going to build through the middle, you have to keep building. And they, they keep like referring back to this idea, like, well, when we made the boot trade, it signaled to the league that we were like serious again about competing. I just don't think making one trade three and a half years ago now is signaling anything anymore. No, no, not when, not when the rest of the league has pivoted so dramatically. Um, yeah, it, it certainly doesn't signal that anymore. But like you touched on a point which Alexander, as mentioned in the comments, as has Fitch, Fish as well. Uh, Alexander notes the fact that the Bulls are operating very much like a small market team with a limited spending approach. That is something that Reinsdorf is probably music to the ears of Jerry Reinsdorf and Michael Reinsdorf. So the and, and as Fish notes, like accountability without consequence isn't accountability. Like AK can say he's taking accountability or the the goal is what it is, but I don't know if he's necessarily doing his job poorly or wrong in the light of, or in within the eyes of those that own the team. And from that standpoint, he might be ticking all the boxes because they are have they as Alexander notes like this is a, they're operating like a small market team. They have a limited spending approach. Like they're being quote unquote for the nineteen thousandth time on this podcast, they're being competitive without having to really you know exhaust themselves or exhaust all these resources certainly not going into tax doing all those sorts of things so from that point of view like maybe ak is doing a good job i guess it is all a matter of perspective and who you ask and um you know for someone like jerry reinsdorf who has just recently gone to i think to or he's planning to go to to chicago government and ask for a billion dollars to to rebuild or or, or recreate a new Sox stadium whatever it might yeah, be he, maybe he doesn't rebuild he's not rebuilding no, he's not rebuilding. He's doing whatever he's doing. But um, don't get me on that tangent. But anyways, William, let's continue on the conversation. But before we do, tell everyone about Circus Sportsbook, please. What do you want to know about their tight money lines? They are yes. striving for that that solid minus 110 split on the Circus Sports menu, unlike any other sports books, which use the 115 or minus 115 or minus 120 spits. They've got wow. the high app limits and transparency. They don't limit players based on their winnings like every other sports book. And they encourage you to even download and explore other apps to know what those lines are. They've got great customer service with real people who are there to help resolve issues 
unlike other sports books who use chatbots. And all aspects of the app are being run by the same team that runs the main Circa sports book at the Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. You're dealing with real people, you're getting great odds, and you can rest assured that you will be getting solid action when you place your bets with Circa Sportsbook. So download the Circa Sports Illinois app at circasports.com slash Illinois-app to sign up today. Also, be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties, and tailgates. If you or someone you know may have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER or text GAMB, G-A-M-B, to 833-234 or visit areyoureallywinning.com. I love the Circa Sportsbook app, but if there's another one that sort of uh, is right there with it, William, it is the Game Time app. That is the one-stop shop where you can get your hands on some of the best tickets for you know, your sporting events. If you want to go to a music show, I'm not sure who's touring in the US right now. There's um, maybe some good medical. There was a good medical show last night in Chicago, actually, if, if people went and saw. Uh, you know, the, you guys have good access to a lot of things. Taylor Swift's in Australia, actually, right now. So maybe, maybe I'll head down there and I'll do so via the Game Time app. Uh, maybe I want to get to the comedy show. The, the Melbourne Comedy Festival is coming up soon, whatever it might be. I'm not sure if Game Time services Australia, but I definitely know it services our friends in Chicago and the US. And that is the place where you can get yourself the best, the killer last-minute deals for all in prices. You get your views of your seats. You can use the app to sort of understand where you would be situated in the stadium or the, or the theater, theater, whatever it might be. You can get a view of where you're going to be sitting. You obviously get a view of how much money you are saving on these last-minute ticket deals. So if you want to get your hands on some great value, download the Game Time app, create an account, and when you do, use promo code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Of course, terms apply, as they always do. But again, friends, create an account. Uh, download the app, create an account, redeem uh, a 20% off offer using the promo code CHGO. 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price, absolutely guaranteed. Ah, William, let's close the show. Get down. Let's close the show with more talk about uh, the depressing bulls. Did you see Alexander's comment in here? Alex is just going off in the comments here. I appreciate you, Alexander. But uh, Will, you are depressing me again, is what he says. That's what I, Will that's has what I live there. for. Look, it's 7.30 on a Friday night. You guys are hanging with us, and I'm just making you guys sad. I, I apologize. Hey, that's the state of Bulls, the state of Bulls fandom at the moment. It's, um, well, let's talk about just... some of the things that are positive, because I think if we're talking about building through the middle, you have to talk about Kobe White and Iodesimu. And, you know, Brian Windhorst has said on the Hoop Collective a couple of times that the Bulls are rebuilding and they don't even know it. But what if they do know it? Because... As we kind of touched on earlier, they they kind of had this passing of the torch moment against the Cavs where Kobe was in action on pick and rolls with DeMar for two of the possessions. And then he ran uh, uh, pick and roll action after a miss or maybe it was a made basket. I don't remember exactly, but he was kind of the primary initiator on a play. And then he got the last shot for the first time this year. Um, obviously, Io has stepped into a massive role and he's playing really well. Like, mm-hmm. I think there is an argument to be made and I'm sure the front office would feel this way that like with the way that their younger players are developing and especially the way that they're playing alongside Vooch and Damar and Drummond and Caruso that are helping them develop, which I think we both agree with uh, that they are kind of in this process. That's I think the element of building through the middle that the bulls are getting right. Um, Now that does not necessarily excuse any of the other stuff of not making trades of moving the goalposts of, you know, setting expectations at being competitive instead of making the playoffs or making the second round or making, you know, championship runs. 
at some point. But at a certain level, like they're going to need to get to a point where this sort of changing of the guard happens, right? Tamar's 34. He's going to be 35 next year when you re-sign him. Uh, Vooch is in his mid-30s now. Drummond, obviously, a free agent. We'll see what happens with him. Zach is going to be 29 next year when he's back. Um, at a certain point, like this is going to kind of transition over. And I think the idea of keeping Damar and Vooch around is to sort of bridge that. Um, and obviously, like we kind of talked about, I mean, they're just, they're not going to be a team that's ever really accumulating assets along the way, like some other teams, but maybe that's okay because of the way that they've developed some of their younger players this year and, and the strides that we've really seen. I mean, you do have to credit them with the way that they have built up Kobe and Io in particular. And Patrick Williams, who was on a tear, averaging 14 points a game in December. Yeah, and hopefully that's the only tear that's come out that what's, that's happening with Patrick and there's no you know bad news coming or anything of that nature. Again, just to go full doomer mode here. Uh, apologies, Alexander. But um, yeah, look, I, th- I think the Bulls are getting that aspect right. I, I learned, This is what... I'm trying to find silver linings when I can, and maybe this is just a defense mechanism, but I, I do think... I think the players and coaches are doing their best or for the most part doing their best. Um, I know some people maybe disagree about the coaching piece. I don't, but I, I do think the players and the coaches are trying to extract as much as they can from themselves to do or to reach the, the or to do the you know the best they possibly can. I think they're being let down by ownership. I think they're being let down by management, but my angst or ill will to this franchise is not to the players or to the coaches because I do think on a day-to-day basis they are doing the right thing, as you noted. Um, we are seeing real steps be, uh, behind Kobe. I always growing. I thought Pat was showing signs. Even Dalen is, and, and Julian are, 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 have shown some interesting things this season. I didn't think Dalen had any capability to do so. I was prepared to write off you, t- you two for Dalen already or coming into the season, but he's shown a little bit. Not not much, but he's, he's shown some signs. So, if they can nail that 2024 pick, like I said before, if that if you can find, I'm not expecting them to find a Kawhi or a Giannis or anything like that, but if you can find someone who potentially could be a fringe all-star with the 10th pick or whatever it might be in the 2024 draft, say what you will about this draft, but there's always players somewhere within any draft, even always. if in perceived bad, bad, dra- bad drafts rather, that break a, a way that people didn't expect. Like the Warriors are, are doing that right now kind of with pods. Like um, what they're getting from him, who is now gone into the into the starting lineup, starting at shooting guard next to Steph. What was he like? This twenty something pick in the draft, something like that. He wasn't a you know a top pick in the draft. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Like they are getting a starting level player in year one, who's not only you know impacting the game from a really uh, positive uh, a positive front in year one. Like this dude potentially projects to be something a lot more than what they ever could have hoped for. Like now. Obviously, like we said before, you need to nail those picks when they come and we can talk about whether we have faith in AK to do so. But there's still scope for this thing to work, I guess is the point. And even beyond like the younger guys, there's still scope for you to get out of the financial constraints that you are in. Like this isn't completely lost. I don't th- I don't think uh, the Bulls are in such a hole whereby there's no way that this thing could turn around and could turn around quickly. You, like I said before, you have to absolutely nail your upcoming moves and they're more important maybe now than they ever have been. And like I said, do we really trust AK to be the one to do it? Maybe that's where the doomerism comes back into it. But on paper, at least, there is a path out of this mess. It's just whether we trust 
the people that are, have the ability to walk it to actually walk it. I guess that's that's the main part. And I don't know how to toggle between those two mindsets, but I, I do want to give credit to the players and the coaches because I think for the most part this season, the last 36 games, they have been playing really good basketball on both sides for the most part. Um, so they deserve credit. Like the players and coaches deserve credit. And I want to just make that very clear because as we've been doing on this show today, but you know, for the last number of weeks, we've been trashing the balls. We've been trashing ownership and management. And I think that's fair, but I think also the players and coaches deserve some love too. So I think this is kind of the crux of what I wanted to get to, which is that, you know, again, I think if you look at this team and what they've accomplished this year, um, obviously the record and the standings is not what you would hope, but the fact that they've gotten so much growth out of the young players, I do think that is a really positive sign. Um, and I think that that kind of puts you in a position now where you don't necessarily have to do a full teardown. Like when the bulls were five and 14, I was like calling for a teardown because Kobe was not playing well. I was not in the rotation. Um, it just, things were not going well and the young players are bad. And it's like, you need to find some players that you can move forward with. And right now yeah. you just don't have that, but they've turned around in such a way that one, I, I just, I, I don't think you necessarily need to do a full on teardown, but you obviously still, I think, need to accumulate assets that are going to be on Kobe's timeline. Um, again, as great as Kobe has been, I'm not at the point yet, and this absolutely could change, but I'm not at the point yet where I'm ready to like call him a franchise player, where he's yeah. necessarily like the best player on a championship team. Now, maybe the Bulls aren't trying to compete for championships, and Kobe White can be your best player. That's not like a knock on Kobe. I just think you want to get him help, and like you're seeing him thrive playing off of the best player on the team, which is DeMar. So I think you need to find somebody who's a little bit more on that timeline. And you have some time to do that if you're going to hang on to DeMar and continue on this sort of competitive path this year. Um, but again, like you, at some point, like this is going to end with DeMar. And I just think that you're now you're risking putting Kobe in a really bad position then where he doesn't have anybody else to lean on. And now he's totally overmatched. Um, again, that could change. That's maybe potentially not true, but I, I just think longer term, you need to be thinking about ways to like build a bridge into the next thing. And I think you're starting to see the foundation of that with Kobe and IO and hopefully Pat's a part of that too. We'll see what happens with him. Mm -hmm. But like at a certain point, this is going to change and you need to be prepared for that. And the like, we're going to deal with the cap after the season that just, and a, a third transaction, a third trade deadline without doing anything. Um, no accumulation of future assets since 2021. It just, I think there's a way that you can accomplish building through the middle, but it does require you to start to make moves that are building moves that build towards something else. Because right now this team is obviously not good enough to compete for a championship. I'm not even sure they're good enough to get into the playoffs. We'll see what happens in these last 20 some odd games. Um, I think they can, but I'm not saying it's a given. Uh, but so, so you need to start thinking about ways that you can set Kobe up better for the future because he is now going to be a piece of that. I was going to be a piece of that. What are you giving them to, to help lean on so that they have a good infrastructure around them beyond the DeMar DeRozan era? And I think sort of this idea of what's coming after this and what's coming out of the other side, maybe they can solve for that when it happens. Maybe, you know, those opportunities come up in the moment and something works out. And, you know, with DeMar, I think the situation was like, nobody really thought DeMar was going to end up on the Bulls. All of a sudden he did, and that kind of changed the direction of the team. Uh, so maybe those things happen, but let's just wait and see 
I just, to me, I worry too much. I'm too anxious to have that kind of approach. And I think you'd want to have some assets in the cupboard ready to go for when that is available. Because the other thing is, you mentioned it, like Kobe's contract right now is an absolute bargain. If he was a free agent this upcoming year, he'd be making twice what he is making right now, if not more. Same with Io. Um, and so you've got these guys on bargain deals. Now is the time to spend and, you know, get guys around them who are more expensive now and then sort of filter in some of the cheaper guys once those guys age out and once Kobe gets onto his next deal because you, you basically have this year and two more with Kobe and Io. Pat's coming up. Lonzo obviously comes off, but like then the Pat thing happens. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen with Zach yet. So you, I just think you have to be prepared for that. I do give credit to you front office for the way that they've managed the books they've obviously done a good job to keep it under the tax that's clearly um a priority for them but they've also done well to operate above the cap and they've gotten guys you know last year i think we felt the same way where we weren't really sure they had enough space to make any meaningful changes they got javon carter on a 20 million dollar deal over three years they got tory craig so it's not like they can't do anything it's just are you setting yourself up in the best position to be able to maximize assets that you have and right now they are tight on cap space. They are tight on draft picks and they're tight on talent, quite frankly. And so I just think you've got to keep finding ways to accumulate that and, you know, build through your player development staff. That's like something that has been a huge success story for them. You've seen it with I, we've seen it with Kobe, we've seen it with Dalen and Julian, like let's get some more young players in here and try to develop them. I think that's got to be a big piece of it too, but you can only do that if you're accumulating draft picks and not if you're, you know, sitting on, uh, maybe a future first round pick to from Portland that may or may not convey, but definitely, you know, they're not going to be tanking next year. So it's, it's like likely that they're going to be out of pick next year. So they have to find a way to get closer to even with that. Yeah. And like I said before, I think the players and coaches are doing their part. IO's development, Kobe's development, like that is giving, you mentioned a bridge example, using a bridge that, that, that bridge to get to that next space those players and the way they've grown this season are giving AK an out here. If that hadn't happened, and, and you, to your point, like AK deserves credit for bringing in a Peter Patton. He deserves credit for signing Io and, and Kobe to the deals he did and, and those sorts of things. But at the same time, um, had these guys not maybe broken out the way they are currently, this would be a much, much bleaker situation. So AK is fortunate that these younger guys are doing their thing. He is fortunate that the coaching staff is uh, enabling and helping grow and develop these players. He's also fortunate that guys like DeMar and Vooch and Caruso, et cetera, are the type of people who are willing to help these guys grow. I think that is an important thing to note as well. So like I said before, the players and coaches are doing the thing. And now it's up to AK to, as you said, to, to help, to reward these guys for the effort that they've put in and to set them up as best, uh, as best that you possibly can for that next iteration. That the players and coaches are doing their part. Now it's on management and ownership to sort of help these guys, which we'll obviously find out over the next couple months and weeks and years if that materializes. Um, but yeah, why don't we call it a day here, William? We, a, a tight 45 a I, turned into to a tight 60. Uh, as, it, as it always does when we are on the call. Just a couple of quick yeah. uh, logistics things for everyone. Yeah. Obviously, Friday night, like I said, it's All-Star Weekend. We really appreciate you guys hanging out with us hit the like on the way out but we'll have a pre-recorded show from matt and dave mm -hmm. coming on monday they've already recorded that and they're now on vacation so you guys will hit that your feeds on monday and then we've got uh an hq on wednesday and of course we've talked up kobe all show 
go check out the all the CHGO locker, chgolocker.com. Check out the Sub-Zero Kobe shirt. It is awesome. We also have a sweatshirt now, a hoodie. So check that out. Those are sick. Joey, if we have a picture, feel free to throw that up to show the people what they're missing. Um, otherwise, yes, we will be back on Wednesday. We'll, we'll have the show on Monday. Tuesday, we're out, and then we're back into it with the second half. So we'll be previewing uh, what's to come in the second half and expectations and success and failure and all that stuff. So we're looking forward to it. There you go. Did you did you not think that I could hit on that, William? Did you think I was going to miss on all? Well, I just like, I just want to make sure because I wasn't sure if you'd know what the the show schedule was. Well, I've done my research. I, I looked into it, mate. So um, okay, it, it's fine. But I appreciate you taking the reins there. You you know how I just, feel about just trying that. to be a good friend, you know. <laughs> and I'm just trying to give you be a good friend by giving you shit. But I do appreciate William for joining me today. Of course, everyone on YouTube jumping in the comments. Thank you all for contributing and being part of the show. If you're listening to Apple, Spotify, all that sort of stuff, we also appreciate you guys. Five stars. Hit the like on the way at, at Joey Spouthis. Thank you for producing the show. Uh, at Balls Pack, you can get him there. At Ball Sports, you know where to get Dave too. Like William said, they're back next week. As William and I are too, at Will underscore Gottlieb on Twitter. I'm at MK Hoops. We are at CHG underscore Balls. Thank you for tuning in, friends. Enjoy All-Star Weekend if you do celebrate. Enjoy a week away from the Bulls. I think it is nice to have this little bit of a reprieve, to be honest with you, and uh, have a little bit of a mindset reset. Some of us aren't as fortunate to be in Utah Um you know, on the slopes there, the snowy slopes. But um, some of us are just toiling away in our mundane lives elsewhere. But we're the goat got leaves, living it up, um, having fun. Um, and I'm hoping everyone else is enjoying their time away too. But uh, thank you for tuning in, everyone. Um, like William said, we'll be back next week to be talking more about this beautiful, beloved Bulls. Uh, speak then. We all silly like the mayor. 